Hey everybody, it's Matt. I want to thank you so much for tuning into the Quick Hits episode. Uh, basically, what we're going to be doing the next couple of weeks is uh, featuring the uh, Osmosis 2020 lineup. We're going to do little profiles on each of the uh, teachers here. So I wanted to talk to you about the conference a little bit. They are one of the sponsors for this Quick Hits program. They're trying something different, right? Osmosis is going to be set up on Globalcast, which I'm really, really excited about checking out. It's basically a very interactive platform where you're going to be able to interact with the speakers and the vendors. There's going to be lots of demos, updates. Uh, they kind of capture the flag event going on and uh, got a lot of really cool things in store. Uh, if you've never attended an Osmosis event, uh, now is the time to check it out because you can do it from the comforts of your own home. You don't have to go all the way out to San Diego, so you can at least get a little sneak peek as to what Osmosis is about. I've been going for years. I love it. I love uh, the interaction with uh, some really, really smart people. The best minds in open source investigations attend these events. So uh, please go check it out. It's Osmosis, O-S-M-O-S-I-S, con, C-O-N, dot com, C-O-M. We're going to put the information in the show notes. Um, really, really want to check it out. And uh, the other sponsor for this program is the Investigators Toolbox. Um, that is a resource community for private investigators. It's um, networking, uh, there's continuing education, webinars. Uh, Cynthia has uh, contributed content. Kirby Plissis has also uh, contributed content. Um, you can go check that site out. So uh, there's networking, there's education, and there's resources. We've got over 100 OSINT uh, resources plugged into that site. You can check that out at www.investigators-toolbox.com. There is a, um, a special uh, going on right now to join. Uh, for a limited time, you can get a reduced fee. So before we jump into the show today, I just wanted to make a quick announcement that the folks at Parabin have done something really cool. They are giving away 10 seats to PFIC 2020. That is their yearly conference. It involves digital forensics. You'll get 19 continuing education credits. The value of each seat is $99. So they've been incredibly generous. If you guys are interested, please, please email me at Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W, S as in Sam, at satellitepi.com. If you're interested, shoot me an email and we'll get you in the raffle. We're going to give away 10 seats in the next uh, week, week and a half. Uh, the event's September 22nd and 23rd. I'm really, really excited for this. I was looking at the roster of the people speaking here. It's pretty amazing. So if you're interested, send me an email. $99 value, 19 continuing education credits. Parabin, thank you. You guys were awesome. Thank you for the support. Have at it, guys. Send me an email. Welcome to the Osmosis 2020 Quick Hit segment. We only have a few weeks left until the conference begins on October 11. Don't wait to register. This week, we have Daniel Clemens. Daniel has founded two cybersecurity companies and possesses extensive hands-on experience in both offensive and defensive security tactics. His topic at Osmosis is methodologies for due diligence. Our sponsors today are OsmosisCon 2020 and the InvestigatorsToolbox.com. Let's welcome Daniel and your host, private investigator Matt Spare. And welcome everybody to the next episode of PI Perspectives. This is Matt Sperry, your host. Today we are talking to Daniel Clemens. Daniel is the um, owner of Packet Ninjas and Shadow Dragon. Daniel, I want to welcome you to the program. How are you today? 
Matt, thank you for having me. I'm doing great today. Great, great. You are one of the speakers at the uh, at the Next Osmosis uh, Conference 2020. Tell me a little bit about your background. I started in the information security community around 1998. I had got my first kind of job in the world of computing straight out of high school. I, I mean, I was in high school, probably my sophomore year, walking down the road, and uh, there was an ISP in town. And so I just went in there and I said, hey, you know, I think I'd be a great fit. I'd love to work with you guys. And, and they had me. I feel, was, I feel like the guys that kind of push the doors down and say, hey, I want to work for you, seem to be the ones that are no, successful like, when it comes to this. <laughs> well, I, I, it was one of those epiphany moments. We had moved to Durango, Colorado. I didn't really know anything, uh, know, know anybody or really that many people over there. And, and so I was walking downtown and I, I saw this ISP and I thought, I think I could work there. And so I, I literally just ad hoc went up there and said, hey, I'm looking for a job and I uh, would like to know if you guys are hiring. These are my skill levels. Two days later, you know, they had a job for me and that was it. That was a long time ago. I mean, that was before we had switches, right? And we had probably 30, 40,000 users on dial-up and there's probably about 15 people that worked there. It It was a small crew and I learned a lot of things. My senior year in high school, I actually moved out and had an apartment with another one of the guys who was the sysadmin. You know, now we, we call those guys different things. There's like five names for sysadmin nowadays. But, right, right, right. Um, so what have you, you know, seen, like, like since you've gotten started? I mean, obviously, you've been in the game for a while here. What, oh, yeah. what implement, so, implementations, things that have come across that you're like, wow, that's really amazing? Going back all the way, even before Code Red started, I mean, I, I used to hang out on a few boxes, uh, Unix boxes, networks around us. And, you know, those, those, those networks could get popped all the time and people would why talk me and be like, Hey, are you the sysadmin? We just popped this box. And, um, you know, I would start talking with them and then, you know, engage in that and figure out how they got in and the, the crazy stuff. I think that there was a big uptick probably before the code red stuff hit in 2000. That was pretty like, I'd been given, um, special kind of authorization by the U.S. government to engage in offensive operations with China. At that time, we were engaging on targets that we were allowed to engage on, uh, compromising those systems, and then uh, gathering intelligence on things. It was interesting as as the Code Red and NIMDA CN Honker guys were kind of getting their foot in the door and and really ramping up, we were, we were, we were right in the midst of that monitoring and engaging and, and really learning about uh, their capabilities and um when when they finally got when those guys finally started you know launching the code red and nimda stuff i i happened to have a a few sniffers on a class a network and was able to you know pick up some of that traffic and and post it back over to mark mafria when he was on bug track and that was an interesting time because you know there's a there was a big learning curve on like analyzing that with the tools available at the time as well as, you know, happening, like I happened to have sniffers deployed with Snort on a class A and, you know, like it was just a a wild time. And then moving from that, you know, I kind of got a little bit more corporate experience outside of ISPs. Um, I moved into kind of the corporate world. I've seen everything from, I've worked murder for hire cases. I've worked I've, I've done investigations into cartel stuff. I've done extensive work outside of the United States on investigations and, and on uh, exploitation stuff. I've been able to be an advisor for the FBI, Interpol, Department of Defense. And, right. and those sound cool, but they're really kind of just 
it's another conversation with different types of people. Right? So, so, so let me, let me ask you a question then. Cause you seem like a heavy, heavy technical dude, right? You're throwing terms out that I, I know it's above my pay grade <laughs> stuff that's coming across, but, um, you know, what kind of role, what kind of function do you hold in those types of investigations? Like what are you being contracted to necessarily do? Yeah. So in most of those investigations, they were all for, um, private industry, right? So okay. the silver lining there was typically corporations didn't want to get involved with law enforcement. Okay. Uh, they didn't see it as advantageous, nor did they see, let's say the FBI or whatever law enforcement um, entity was, was in that area to actually be beneficial to the problem at hand. So the, the, the issue was really um, figure out what happened and then I got really lucky and a lot of people like out of the gate, probably 2005, 2006 started asking like, can you figure out who might be behind this so we can think about it from a business perspective differently, right? right. Not just the security side of like, we need to patch these holes, but like we need to adjust our business intelligence, right? Kind of that story for me, like 2005, 2006, when that started happening, it was a big eye opener for me just because I had approached investigations from one, a very technical aspect with naivety and then seeing things outside of the United States, let's say in, in South America and, and the capabilities of some of the bad guys, the cartel guys and that kind of stuff. Right. And also seeing what you could ask for in an investigation and get it back as a civilian that had no tie to any, you know, state sponsored entity. Right. Like right. it blew my mind because it was just wild, you know, like it, it was, it was not about cyber anymore. It was about like adversaries that were truly advanced, truly persistent and truly infiltrating every part of the business process tech and, and technical exploitation of, and, and impersonation was just a tool in their toolkit. Right. A lot of bad actors. Like, like that's the birth yeah, of like the, bad the bad actors, actors right? Yeah. Like, and, yeah. And when I would contrast things like China versus, you know, let's say cartels, like the moral compass that's lacking on on the adversaries of like cartels vastly outweighs the exploitative capabilities of the Chinese. Those are two different worlds. You know, like I'd rather have somebody's network get super popped than, you know, have a group of people that are willing to go kill people. Right. right like, yeah. No, and exploit things. And take, <laughs> it's like, whoa. It sounds like, uh, like a crazy spy movie, right? I yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um it's just contrasting um perspectives, I guess, yeah. on the industry at hand because you know, there's been that big spike probably around two thousand seven, two thousand eight, uh, right. moving forward of right. advanced persistent threats and China and now Russia and whatever the scary the scary uh, archetype of the day is, you know, like there's, there's, there might be a contrast to that in right. my opinion. So you're talking about uh, at the conference, the methodologies of due diligence. Um, yeah. So, so break that down for me a little bit. Um, you know, what do you, how do you plan to attack that subject matter and, and what's some insight that you can uh, give people a sneak peek of? Yeah. So, I mean, the first, the first, the first high level part of that is, is in just the investigative fundamentals. One would be like, let's go over a scientific process. What does that look like? The next thing would be, you know, like, let's try to, you know, document things. Um, let's keep timelines. Let's map out, you know, who, what, when, where, 
And then um, stepping away from that, let's look at some very granular buckets of processes that we can put things into. For instance, um, you know, ac acquiring information versus indexing information versus the analysis and exploitation of information. Those are all three separate buckets. And, and when we start scaling out investigations, um, we kind of need to start decoupling each one of those sections so we can have a fourth section, which is the kind of the find the golden report so sure. we can keep moving this process. Um, so those are, those are kind of some high level things. And then I really kind of go into some very discrete pieces of, you know, breaking those puzzle pieces up and then weighing in on like, okay, we've, we can, we have a, a much more scalable process to figure out what happened and now let's start talking about a, a, a scalable process and methodology around who's behind it. Right. And, and that's kind of how you go about that, even in your reporting and your manual note, note keeping, those things are very important and they, they sound like really boring details, but you may be in an investigation into like a year and a half into it. And let's say two people quit and go to another team. Right what do you do with that? You know, you just yeah. had gray knocks just walk out the door and this is an important thing that lots of people have spent lots of money on. How do you deal with that? And how do you deal with that? If you've got to go to court, right? Yeah, like is that I, NDA you're like up to snuff, <laughs> you know, right, you're right. Gonna make sure everybody's okay yeah. with that. Yeah. For me, I want to like give people a little bit of perspective of once you've gotten the basics of like what happened down and you want to go into who might, uh, who might it be? What are some of those things that you need to think about? Um, how long? How long do? You, how long should you sit on this? Right. What should you report? What should you maybe not report? You know, I've made lots of mistakes on what I've said when either I was either wrong or maybe I needed to not say it in the way I did. Yeah. So we could keep getting a little bit more capability. You know. My uh, my wife likes to call it Matthewisms. Like when I throw oh, stuff out. Yeah. She's like, yeah, it's another Matthewism, right? There's just no fact behind it. It's like straight opinion. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, it may or may not be right all the time. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention one way or the other, but she's uh, keen at throwing that out. So this is all good stuff, right? It's all important stuff. Was there anyone in particular that trained you on this or is this pretty much your life experience that you know, having the years that you do in, in the business and the mistakes that you've maybe made on your own? Uh, is it more along that lines or did somebody actually like, is there a training yeah, manual I, or, or, or um, I did, any guidelines? I, yeah, there were, I would say that there's probably some, there's a few things that were very influential in, in, you know, um, in my, in my career. Um, one, I had a, a roommate and, and this was going back into the, the nineties, he was writing exploits before frack came out and he was super smart and I was super retarded. And he would always really like, every time I would come in there with a question, if, if it was a really dumb question, he would just say straight up, like, dude, that's a stupid question. <laughs> like, oh, you, good you, humbling. Yeah. Right? Nice. Yeah. And it would be like, could you be more of a dumbass? Yeah. <laughs> And, and I would just be like, wow, I, I, I don't know if I could be more of a nice. I think your roommate hates you, bro. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Well, you know, like those relationships come in, you know, they expand and contract over time, right? Um, right. Next one, um, uh, there was a, a book that Sands put out or 
I think maybe Stephen Northcutt, it was uh, intrusion detection signatures and analysis. That was really good. I did take some investigative courses probably 2003, 2004, 2005 on how to structure investigations. Right. And um, in that time, uh, utilize NCASE and, and the other tools that were at hand. And then probably one of the biggest influencers, other than getting thrown in the deep end and people just expecting like a hero to emerge like that, that happened a lot. I would right. say that happened probably without anyone around for like five straight years. Wow. You know? And so you learn how to swim, right? <laughs> yeah, I deep learned end. how to swim. And you know, like, you know, sometimes it would be like customers be like, Hey, we need you to go to Mexico city and you know, go here and, and do this. And other times, you know, like when this is really crazy, like uh, when Hugo uh, Chavez in Venezuela was like starting to steal, like, take assets of companies. I had clients call and say, Hey, we need an assessment. He's got like this hacker team, figure out what vulnerabilities we have before he like breaks into our network and, you know, does his thing. Right. You know, I, I'd be like, wow, that's cool. I'll go to Venezuela. I've never been there. You know, yeah, then the race um, is on, right? <laughs> yeah. Then it's like, well, I guess, I, I guess we're going to experience that. And that was, you know, that was pre kids. So, right. and I really didn't tell my wife too much about that. Um, when that was going on, it was just like, yeah, I'm going to go. This is yeah. fun. <laughs> and then, you know, 2008, 2009, I think that that recession rocked everybody's world pretty hard, especially ours. Right. You know, I had uh, five or six months booked up for assessment work, actually, for that fall doing app and pen test stuff. Um, and a lot of those clients were in New York and, you know, all of them bailed. Right. And I, I had the opportunity to meet a guy named Brian Dykstra. And Brian Dykstra runs a company called Atlantic Data Forensics. Uh, both he and I got called into helping a client at the same time. We didn't know each other. And we literally probably both were at this client for two straight years, wow. just traveling the world around for them. And um, we sat next to each other, you know? And so I brought my, my bag of tricks and he had his bag of tricks. Right. And that was probably one of 20 different investigations that, you know, anytime I get something cool, I'd be like, Brian, you want to do this? Let's rock this. And he'd be like, yes. And then he'd find something cool. And he'd call me like, dude, you want to sit in a room for like six months with no windows? I'd be like, yes. You know, like, <laughs> Let's do and, this. <laughs> and, and we were just really good friends, but also we had the same kind of professional, like we just had the same kind of jive going sure. with each other. Yeah. And even to this day, even though I'm, not doing a lot of investigations the last year and a half. You know, he called me this week and he said, Hey man, this one's really cool. Let's get the band back together. And I said, yes, you know, like I'm going to do that. No, that's good, man. And and that's kind of the shift, right? Um, And it's, it's why um, things, events like osmosis are are so cool now, right? Because it used to be like everyone keeps themselves. They keep their own bag of tricks. Nobody's sharing anything. Nobody's doing anything. But you know, when you, you start coming across, like-minded people, you know, that maybe have their own bag of tricks, you know, I think the, the, that shift in attitude of, Hey, let's share this together, or let me show you what I'm doing over here. And you show me what, how you do your things and let's figure it out. So you have that, that, that meeting of minds uh, experience. There's been a real big shift on that in the last few years. And I think it's really cool that folks are opening up like that, you know, cause they're really, yeah. uh, they're smart people out there. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. I mean, 
I've, I've been burned a few times too, though, you know, like, and I think a lot of people have in the industry where there's those, I would say they're the, they're like the intellectual theft guys, right? right? They, they, they cozy up really quick and then they get what they can and then they repackage it for like a DEF CON talk or something or, or worse, get on TV and say they invented something. Right. right. <laughs> and and that's, that's terrible happened. people. You know, like, yeah. But it's, it's, it, it's, it's fairly prevalent in the <laughs> industry to the point where I really wish that we had some kind of discipline system. That's not just shun them and shame them, but something where that you can shun them, shame them and have some level of redemption later. And sure everyone learns from it. Right. Versus, um, being blinded by bitterness, you know? So let me ask um, you then. So, you know, we, you've obviously seen some things change over the, uh, the years in the industry here. Like what's something that's, that you think is coming down the line in the next year or so that really excites you? What do you, what are you excited for in this industry? Good question. What am I excited for? Well, I was talking to Linda Kavanaugh the other day from Aust Cyber. She, we had, we had a Zoom meeting and the demeanor and the attitude that she was setting for her conference really gravitated with me just because you could tell she was trying to protect the participants in different ways for, you know, we, we really kind of talked about this idea of making sure younger people don't feel like they have to be at the same level as maybe somebody who's been in the industry for five years or 10 years or 15 years, you know, right. I see more maturity in, in the industry and, and that's really contrasting that against what, you know, DEFCON and Black Hat was back in 1998, 1999, 2000, like the early 2000s, yeah, you there's, know, where there's definitely been a shift. Yeah, there was, a, there was much more, much more this attitude of quote, you know, let's air quotes, um, you got to be a purist or you're, you're, you're nothing, you know. Right. Like I'm excited to see what emerge, like creative juices emerge from, some of the the new folks coming on the scene yeah and, and i know that sounds kind of lame it's not <laughs> i won't be like your roommate man i'll let that one slide right <laughs> we're you good know, i i i'm excited in that and i and i think there's opportunity for some maybe some of us that are older to to encourage people and walk with them a little better yeah so and, so tell um, me um like a, a good characteristic of somebody that's in this in this business what would you say uh the folks that tend to shine like what, what type of characteristics do they show the folks that I, I've been enjoying, they, they have a balance of good technical grit, good work ethic, and good life skills, and a healthy amount of um, curiosity, and a good amount of perseverance through problems. Right. Yeah. One of the other things you said uh, offline before we got on, I thought was really cool, like being being okay with things being boring, I think is important too, right? You're not going to yeah, have these yeah. amazing adventures every day. There's yeah, some monotony so- to it, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when, like when we're interviewing folks here, you know, like I'm, I am looking for like, are you trying to be the hero or are you trying to be a teammate, you know, and for anything that needs to scale past one person, you got to be a good teammate. You got to be able to focus. You got to be able to communicate. You got to be able to, you know, not be the hero and the rock star. And, and I, and I, I keep hearing like in different podcasts and, and different people say in different ways that, you know, the idea of the information rock star, that, that idea seems to be dying. And I'm excited about that because yeah. I, I yeah. think that, that that whole archetype is false, is fake. And 
it has a lot of unintended consequences. I think in this industry, you're only as good as the people that are around you, right? Your relationships with other people. You know, it's not so much your ability to do things. It's more so like what makes you really stand out are the relationships you have when you do get stuck on certain things. You can tap into other yeah. people or, or if it's, you know, something that's completely not your specialty, like, oh, but I know somebody who does that, right? Those are the, to me, yeah. the rock stars, not not the people like, oh, I'll solve your problem myself. Here I go, you know? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, that was that was one of my primary strategies early on was to know where to get the information. That could be books, which is, you know, books or then when Google arrived, Google, um, but also those relationships, you know, I could call up, you know, guys like, you know, Ken Williams from Packetstorm or, you know, my old roommate and um, <laughs> hopefully ask a good question. You know. <laughs> After five minutes of him putting you down, it may yeah, have an answer. <laughs> Here's your, um, here's your answer, dummy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you were not doing this line of work, let's say you had the choice to just do whatever it is your heart's desire, what do you think you would be doing? I would probably do a lot more stuff in nature. I would probably work outside a little bit more. I would probably camp and hunt a lot more. I enjoy things that involve you know granular detail, but also things that don't enjoy granular detail, the things that I like right. that are, you know, demand precision. I like, uh, I like to do long range precision shooting stuff. I like to roast coffee. I like to reload, you know, I like to, to mow the grass. <laughs> That's all as good stuff. Yeah. yeah. You gotta, yeah. you gotta have the other uh, side hobbies. Otherwise uh, I think we'll, we'll go crazy when, when you are uh, in a room all day with no windows, uh, it could yeah. be, it could be a bit maddening. right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I yeah. I'm right there with you. So, hey, man, this was great. I really uh, appreciate it. And I know you're going to have a real awesome take on methodology and, and how to do it. It's so, so important. You know, when you think about it, you know, laying those foundations early on, learning how to how to get your system in place uh, will help you excel in what you're doing. Because when those problems do come across, you know, having a good foundation of how to attack a problem, that's 75% of the issue right there, right? If you're, if yeah. you're organized, yeah. you can attack a problem. If you're all over the place, you know, the, the problem will consume you, right? Right, right. And I mean, if as long as we ask the right questions, we're going to get more of the right answers. And sure. the more we know, the luckier we get. So um, I'm hoping and looking forward to this encouraging somebody. I packed in probably 120 slides and they're like, you think you can get through this? I'm like, I think I can, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm intentionally trying to pack in as much stuff as possible so people can, some people are going to pick some stuff up and some people yeah. are going to tune out and and that's okay. I mean, I'm really hoping that it'll be beneficial and, and encourage somebody, you know? I think what you need to do is just do a couple dry runs with your old roommate, just yelling at you in the background <laughs> faster. <hurry laughs> yeah, <up>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is useless. <laughs> you need some stress in your life, man. <laughs> uh, so, Hey, thank you so much. This was really, really cool. And, um, you know, I encourage the listeners go sign up, you know, uh, for, for osmosis, go check it out. You're, you're not going to want to miss this. Uh, Daniel is just one of the, uh, the, the many great speakers that are, uh, that are involved with this, uh, program here. And what's cool is you can do it from home, right? You don't have to travel anywhere. You can drink a cup of coffee. Maybe, uh, Dan roasted a, a special blend for you and sent it to you. Um, <laughs> that would be really cool. And, uh, you know, the content is available uh, to the end of the year. That's the other cool thing. Like they're extending, uh, you know, once the conference is over, it's not really over. You have, you have opportunities to do that. So Dan, other than connecting with you on the Osmosis site, what's uh, another way they can get in touch with you? My email address is dc at shadowdragon.io. 
and on LinkedIn, just Daniel Clemens. Okay, perfect. So thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll be back on Monday with a regular episode as we uh, continue the following Thursday too with a, uh, another speaker from Osmosis. So everyone have a uh, great rest of the week and we'll catch you guys on Monday. Thanks for joining us for this quick hit segment. We thank Daniel for giving us some great insight on how to attack your research. Now, have you signed up yet? Don't wait. There is so much great content lined up. Go to osmosiscon.com for more details. Don't forget to check out the PIFC conference September 22nd and 23rd online. There's a link in the show notes. Matt's giving away a few more seats to some lucky listeners. Email them if you're interested at matthews at satellitepi.com. Also, be sure to check out the investigatorstoolbox.com for some other great benefits from Cynthia and her team. Thanks for tuning in and check out the next regular episode on Monday. Don't forget to enter Matt's giveaway for a free Investigators Toolbox membership.